1: Hi I'm Bex and I'm Laura and we're here to talk openly and honestly about miscarriage, stillbirth and all pregnancy loss.
0: We aim to smash the taboo surrounding these subjects and rebuild the topic in a way to support and educate women rather than isolate and shame them. Welcome to the worst girl gang ever.
1: This episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever is being brought to you in association with Wednesday's Domain, a brilliant new alcohol-free wine brand. Fed up of not being able to
0: find a decent alcohol-free wine, the founder, Luke, set about creating Wednesday's Domain, a
1: great-tasting,
0: beautifully-branded, alcohol-free alternative.
1: When you remove the alcohol from a wine, you impact its taste, texture and aromas. Rather than simply bottle what's left, you've got to take a different approach. It's
0: for that reason that they blend their wines with an array of natural flavours and ingredients to create something that pairs as well with a packet of crisps on the sofa as it does with a beautifully cooked meal shared with friends. Bex, you've tried the wines, haven't you?
1: I have I tried them at the back end of last year and I was completely blown away by the taste as loads of you know I gave up drinking last year and the red wine is oh I just craved it the red wine is what really oh <laughs> red wine is what really got me and I've tried all of them and then when I when I discovered Luke and Wednesdays to Maine, I was like right this is it it's, it's it's do or die and ordered a bottle and it was it's it's so good it's so it's just like red wine and also it's not just that about when, you, when you're not drinking and you're sat at a table full of adults, you know, what is the alternative? So many people don't even have, it's, it's like wine or water. Mm-hmm. And having that wine that you can take to a party with a beautiful label and a beautiful bottle, it just made me feel like a grown-up. Feeling part of the moment and part of the conversation are central to Wednesday's Domain's ethos, and we couldn't agree more.
0: And finally, you might be thinking, why on earth are they called Wednesday's Domain? Well, We asked the same question and loved the answer. They want to become your midweek wine alternative, providing you with all the joy that comes with opening a bottle and pouring a glass, yet none of the after effects you'd find in a
1: regular bottle of wine. If that's tickled your pickle, find out more at Wednesdaysdomain.com and please take advantage of their 15% discount code GIRLGANG15, available until 31st of March 2023.
0: Hello and welcome to this episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever. Today, we are very lucky to be joined here by Jenny Ag. Now, thank you so, so much for coming to chat with us today. It's a pleasure to have you here.
2: Oh, thank you. No, thank you for having me. It's um, it's a real honour.
0: It's great to finally meet you because we've um, obviously we're in the same worlds on, on Instagram, but our paths have never crossed until now. So it's, um, no. it's great to chat
2: um yeah it's really good to um
0: yeah to to chat in well almost in person yeah yeah well it's as good as it gets most of the time these days even though the world is back out there people are still I think the um the online zoom world has made it so easy for people to connect it's now like the dumb thing isn't it
2: yeah definitely I think particularly if you're not in London as well which I'm not so um yeah yeah so
0: where are you Jenny because I see lots of pictures of sheep on your account. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of um, just on the very
2: edge of Greater Manchester, almost in Derbyshire. Um, So, yeah, it's really nice. We moved um, just before the start of the pandemic, which I don't necessarily recommend, um, (laughs) as we basically moved somewhere and then didn't get to explore it for like two years Yeah, it's it's nice. There are a lot of sheep, a lot. (laughs) I see more sheep than people most days.
0: Oh, that's not always a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, Jenny, um, tell us about how you came to find yourself in the worst girl gang ever.
2: Uh, So, it was. We started trying for a baby in 2016, which feels kind of like a different. World now, that mm-hmm. time feels so. It, it, it feels so different um, to where perhaps where the conversation is now. Um, yeah, so we started. Sorry, we started trying to conceive in 2016, um, and then I it took best part of a year to get pregnant that first time, and then I had a miscarriage about three days before my 12 week. What would have been the 12 week scan? in January 2017, and it just completely floored me, really. So perhaps I should have started with this. Part of the reason I was kind of so um, shocked by it all is because I am a health journalist, like that's my background. Um, And apart from kind of the emotional side of things, um, I was just kind of completely shocked that this could happen and that I didn't know anything about it. Um, and actually, I felt really stupid because mm. I was a health journalist, and I wrote quite a bit about women's health. I interviewed other people. Um, I'd written about loads of subjects and edited pieces on, you know, all kinds of things. I felt like pretty well informed on a lot of health stuff, and
0: I just had no clue, um, really. Um, I don't think you're alone in that in that feeling. I, um, the fact that you worked in the in the health sector probably made you feel I don't know like why did why did I not why did I not know about this but it's often people people may have heard of miscarriage or you know all of these these words stillbirth terminations and things like that but no one ever actually it's the sort of information that you take in but you don't really digest because unless it happens to you or one of yours it's um yeah you you just you don't believe it's going to happen to you do you
2: yeah and I think like a lot I don't know whether it's changing a bit now but I there was just like nothing there was nothing in like so by you know in that first pregnancy which I went into kind of like most people go into a pregnancy which is you know has not been the case for any of the, the subsequent pregnancies um so we had our booking an appointment and you know I was really excited about it and got it booked in as like soon as I possibly could and there wasn't really anything like there was everything kind of focuses on you know you're going to have your 12-week scan and like then you'll get to 20 weeks and this will happen and look out for these symptoms in 20 weeks there was nothing about miscarriage at all yeah um there's this, all the stuff about like don't eat this and don't do you know avoid this and because this has a risk of miscarriage and And I think it kind of sets up this idea that it won't happen if you do all the right things. Mm. And then when it happens to you, they're like, oh, yeah, it happens all the time.
0: Mm.
2: And that was the bit that I was just
0: like, hang on, that, how do I not know that? I think when you think, like you said, all of these if you don't if you do or don't do all of these things you'll be fine these are the risks of miscarriage then when something does go wrong that's when you blame yourself isn't it yeah. because you think it yeah. must be something that I've done but I've followed all the rules I've I've not eaten the cheese yeah. I've not eaten the pate yeah. I've not been doing sit-ups or you know I mean, all, of, yeah. all of the advice that you're given
1: and you also like you look at you look back at what you have done and you think was it was it the fact that I ran for the bus and I got really out of breath and I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't have overexerted myself or, you know, I slipped that day and I fell over. Would you, could that, be, you know, all this sort of stuff you yeah. Almost, yeah. to live in this world where you should have done more, you could have done more. Mm. And in reality, we know, like we know retrospectively and we know that it wasn't our fault. We know, we know that with our right mind, we know that, but it doesn't stop the what ifs, does it? And that's an incredible difficult. Right. That's an incredibly difficult thing to kind of come to terms with.
2: Yeah, I think so. I and, I and that was all kind of part of that, like that first time. It was all sort of swirling around, and like, and because they can't tell you, I think that's the other thing that I that really struck me when I was kind of first trying to come to terms with it all was that that not only could they not tell me why it had happened, they weren't actually that interested. They weren't well, they weren't interested. Like, it's not a. Um, they, they don't ask you anything really they're just like oh yeah it just you know happens and sometimes we don't know why and yeah how laughing, do you stop it from happening again yeah. yeah exactly and I, you I want really, the answer don't you and I felt yeah you do want the answer and I felt really naive that um I think I probably assumed that there would be a reason and that doctors might go Oh, okay. Did, you know, and they might ask me questions, or they might run a test, or they might, you know, just to check, make you know, for the next time or whatever it was. And actually, I couldn't be more different from how it happens. I was just completely um, taken aback by that. Really,
1: it really annoys me when people say, you know, that the whole it's just one of those things. Mm. I yeah. hate that because it's like, well, just one of what things? What are these yeah. things that you're referring yeah. to? Because just one of those things It's like, I don't, I don't get that. You can't write something off that happens in your life. It's just one of those things because no. one of those things doesn't mean anything. No, it, oh, it really infuriates me.
2: We don't do it with any other area of medicine either. Really? No,
1: It's so complacent, isn't it? It's yeah. so casual. And it's not your baby is not, it's not a casual thing to be written off. It's no. a completely life altering life shaping experience and it's it's so invalidating to be to be struck off as oh it's just one of those things. It's yeah. not fucking not. No. No. no, no, it's really
2: not. It's really not. Um, yeah, and you just it's all that stuff, isn't it? You're kind of it's not only the sort of trying to deal with the like the emotional the emotions that you're going through and kind of having your life like turned around that you've you know been planning this baby that you'd you know um you imagined how your life was going to be perhaps you know we didn't tell very many people but you know we you're really emotionally um committed aren't you like you're, you yeah, know, invested invested that's, yeah. the word, that's the word invested and um so on top of all that like being taken away and the grief response and you know there was certainly for me that first time there was a lot of um uh I didn't really understand it as this at the time but like looking back there's definitely a kind of trauma response going on there's all getting your head around that like medical side of it and just not that lack of interest and Mm.
0: and um, it is made really sort of medical isn't it because you especially like with the missed miscarriage was that what happened that's what happened with you no the first
2: time for me um I'd started bleeding at work so the first time it was um I never know what there's never I never know what term to use for this what i mean i guess clinically they call it a spontaneous spontaneous miscarriage or a natural miscarriage but they're, they're terrible terms for it, aren't they really but yeah, basically I'd, I'd started bleeding um on the friday at work and gone to see uh, we'd had and we'd had that happen earlier on at like six weeks so we had had an early scan like not without really you know knowing much about what that might mean. Um, And that had been fine. You know, we'd seen a heartbeat. Um, And so we just went away being like, oh, right, okay. And then everything, I didn't have any more bleeding. And then on the Friday, um, it started again, gone to the GP kind of thinking the same thing would happen. They'd send us for another scan. Um, And I was worried, but not kind of, you know, um, didn't really know what I was getting myself in for. And then overnight um the miscarriage kind of started in like I don't know thought it was yeah the bleeding kind of started in earnest really um and then I so it was kind of at home in my bathroom and then we went to A&E which is like a terrible place to have a miscarriage really Mm -hmm. like busy A&E ward in the middle of winter Um, that all kind of added to it I think being in the wrong environment not and it being really frightening like it was the um the like extent of the blood loss that first time was like nothing I would have imagined sorry I've gone very like grim and gory um
0: quite early on
2: (laughs) in the conversation um yeah um so in that respect it was uh Yeah, and then subsequently, this I had a second miscarriage that was diagnosed on a scan after some bleeding, and then I miscarried at home the next day, and then two mis miscarriages after that.
0: Oh,
1: Um, Jenny. Yeah, I uh, think talking about the kind of the 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 brutal sort of gory element of it, it is that was really shocking to me. That was one of my the biggest things i found cuz i i'd never when when i i i had a mis miscarriage and then i found out the scan and then i had to come i had the the medication which didn't work yeah. so yeah. then after a few days they sent me home but they said if anything kicks off you had to come back in because it was you know the number of weeks of gestation i was and then it did start happening at home and i went back in and i i there was so much blood there was so much blood and i remember thinking this can't be right this can't be normal and because i'd already had children at that point i don't remember there being any blood really i don't in in the in during birth and yeah. i can just remember because it was the summer it was late it was it was really warm and i had a dress on and i was completely soaked like up to my shoulder blades and i can just remember looking at my husband and he was obviously really worried and looking at me, I'm just thinking, "Oh my god, I, I, I'm going to die! This isn't normal. This can't be right. This can't be right." Yeah. And it's yeah. that shock of like, "What the fuck is happening?" Yeah. It's and that for me yeah. was unbelievably traumatic, and I can still very much get in touch with those feelings of of scared, like at real fear that yeah, yeah. Is, I mean, the miscarriage. This was more something else was was happening because this couldn't be right to lose so much blood in in one, you know, in a a really quick way.
2: Yeah, that was, yeah, it was exactly how we felt as well. Um, That first time in particular that it, I don't know that I had a very clear idea of what it was like, supposed to be like, you know, quote unquote. Mm. Um, But yeah, I just would never have, never in my like wildest, imagination I mean not that it was really something I'd even given that much thought to in all Mm. honesty and that's the bit that I think like beyond obviously you know the work you guys do um, is brilliant in this respect but I think a lot of the time when you hear people talk about miscarriage like that's not always um, part of that conversation like I think there's still kind of it's quite it's difficult isn't it and like you don't want there's that kind of fear of TMI or like making people a bit like people being a bit
0: squeamish about it yeah um and also scaring people and that scaring have, people have yeah, not been through true. it it's yeah crazy, but you're right there needs to be there needs to be something maybe the health professionals need to be you know when they first come into contact with someone who's who's going through this maybe that's where there needs to be a bit more openness about yeah. what they could expect and how you know, like the the whole having a period is an, is an egg cup full of blood bullshit. It's more like a ladle or two. <laughs> Maybe there needs to be a little bit more frankness and om- it's yeah, frank, it a different. word honesty um, at that point, so people know what they what they're going to expect if they take the the medical management. What what are they going home to? What's going to happen to them at home? What do they do with the baby?
1: All of those yeah. sorts of
0: things. Yeah, it's,
1: I think you know that, like. When you first phone the doctor, when you find out you're pregnant, you phone the doctor and tell them, I really think that that is the point where there needs to be a bit more of an honest conversation. And I do understand that obviously when you've just found out you're pregnant, the last thing you want is for someone to go, don't, you might have a miscarriage though. Like obviously there is a way of saying it, but if you, if there was a conversation that said, look, this is, you know, really exciting and 75% of pregnancies do end up with a, with a take home baby but there is obviously a chance that this pregnancy won't go the way that we all hope it will go and if that is the case this is what might happen this is what you can look out for these are people that you could could contact in this situation i just think that would be a much better yeah. journey into the realities of what we what you could go through and okay it, it might be scary, but you know what, it's not going to be scary for the 75% of women that go along and, and get to take home their baby. And for those 25% of women who then go on to have a loss, like how much better off will they be having had that conversation, having, knowing where to turn, knowing what to expect and knowing that, that they're not alone in that. Because yeah. I think if you don't tell people what might happen, people don't know it will, it might happen. yeah
2: yeah, definitely and you know like that's kind of said sometimes said isn't it like oh you know you don't want to um and I'm not talking about like chatting to people face to face but you know sometimes that like that argument's made like about how medical conversations and medical information and leaflets and all that stuff should go it's like oh you know you don't want to scare women it's like you're given loads of scary information in pregnancy, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. loads of scary information. It just seemed that that for me, I don't know whether this is changing slightly now, um, but certainly back in 2017, the information on what can happen in that first trimester just wasn't there at all. Mm. Um because and you're like written off, on, aren't
0: you? It's like, yeah, it's like if, if you survive the first trimester, then then we'll start talking about your pregnancy. Then it's the real, yeah. real pregnancy. And it's
2: like, it's just, yeah. I mean, later on, it was after I started my blog. I, I can't remember what made me do it. I went back and I got like a, I had a folder under my bed of all my like medical notes and the stuff I'd been given that I just like shoved. I didn't want to throw it away, but I'd um, just shoved it out of sight. And I went back and looked at it just to be like, oh, you know, had I just like skimmed over the stuff about miscarriage because I thought it wasn't relevant or, you know, Mm -hmm. had I just kind of missed it? Um, And there was like, in the first lot of stuff I was given, there was a tiny paragraph, like one, maybe like three lines at the bottom of the first page in this magazine patient, like pregnancy magazine leaflet thing. Um And in the same magazine, there were like there was a double page spread on like planning a holiday while pregnant and like flying or like and a whole page on stretch marks. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. The priorities of it are just
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Prioritized is it? No, not
0: no, no. No, but neither is the support afterwards, is it? No, is, you often people don't 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 get any support they get told to take a pregnancy test in a couple of weeks and check that it's negative yeah and
2: they don't even check do they that you've done that like sometimes um i know it varies i have heard from some people who've um had their doctor or whatever ring them and say oh you know did you do this but no i don't think anyone ever checked in really
1: but also with the whole take a pregnancy test after you 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 know three weeks later and stuff you don't they didn't say like, oh, and if it's positive, it, you know, to make sure it's negative, but they didn't, they never told me what to do if it's positive. And after three yeah. weeks, my is still a dark positive. Yeah. And I was like, maybe I'm pregnant again. Maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. the baby was like hiding around the corner and they didn't get it and everything's going to be okay. Yeah. But also it's like, after that, you know, there was no, cause, cause it was, for me, it was lockdown. Uh, it was still, still like high, high intensity oh. lockdown. Oh took a pregnancy test still strong positive and I had my children at home was homeschooling them and I'd already had by that point I'd already had three rounds of medical management which had failed I then had a surgical management which had also apparently failed and they were like oh you've got to come back from for more surgery but first of all you had to come back 24 hours before for a covid test and then you had to come up and I couldn't organize childcare. I couldn't do okay. it No, because you're not, allowed,
2: so, not allowed to have anyone
1: so I just mm-hmm. went oh okay and then I I phoned my acupuncturist and I said look this is this is what's happened and I saw him the next day and then the, the next day after that I had a big big bleed and a few days after that I had a negative pregnancy test but at no point did anyone from the hospital phone me and say look in our records here it shows that you've had a strong positive pregnancy test and you said that you didn't want another surgical management how's everything gone what's happening with you mm, yeah. what happened like there was no follow up at all from anyone so that i there, there's something missing there because you wouldn't yeah that, that's like a big thing that they've missed a bit
0: and it's something missing, missing in the, the system surgery. like the people who yeah. are there working are doing the best they can with the time that they have and yeah. the resources yeah, that yeah. they have There's something something in the bigger picture is needs to change, doesn't
1: it? And when I I remember when I was when I was in the hospital for my um when I had to go back and have a surgical management, I was in the hospital and I was waiting at the desk and I heard someone phone in and the midwife or or the whoever it was answered the phone and she was like, Oh, you've had a negative test. Oh, that's brilliant news. Okay, thanks for letting us know. And I was like, Whoa. Like, that's obviously, I'm in the EPU, so that obviously means that someone has lost a baby and then had a negative t- test afterwards. And so how is that, how is there that lack of, like, compassion that you've taken your job to the degree that, like, that, I mean, it's just not, it's not right, is it? No, kind of, no, it was no. so functional, the conversation was so functional, I just thought, the person on the end of that phone has just been broken again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just so bloody there's so much that needs to be done. So, Jenny,
0: what happened with your missed miscarriages? What what management did you have with those? Uh,
2: so both times I opted for surgery. Um and I so I was I should say I was really I mean it's all relative, isn't it? You're talking about being lucky after a miscarriage. Mm. Um but I was lucky in that the third my third miscarriage which was my first mis- miscarriage um was happy it happened because I tried to join a research trial right.
0: um
2: which my friend had seen the posters for because she kind of lived locally to the hospital and they were looking for women to come in for weekly scans um in early pregnancy um for this trial that they were doing. So I think it was, it was about um, early pregnancy symptoms and what they might mean. Um, And that's a big teaching hospital in London. So I'd gone to join the trial and like was in the process of like filling all the paperwork out and answering all their questions. And then they did a scan and I was about eight weeks pregnant. Um, And then on the scan, there was no heartbeat. Um, But because of who was, seeing me because it was part of this trial it was somebody who you know is working in early pregnancy research and that area of medicine and so they really understood um what that you know what that's like and I think they've um dealt with a lot of people going through miscarriages and miss miscarriage and actually the counselling and advice I was given was i i now realize having spoken to other people was you know um was really helpful um and probably about as you know you obviously wish you weren't having to deal with that at all but if you're going to like it was kind of um you know i wasn't sent back out into a waiting room full of other pregnant women or anything like that i was kind of in a, a special like little bad news room um and she was really good at talking me through everything and kind of what the pros and cons of each approach were and what it would be like. And, um, and the reason, something that she pointed out to me, which I wouldn't have known, um, is that because it was my third miscarriage, um, they could send... Sorry, there's no like non-horrible clinical way to talk about this, but they could send some tissue off to be tested to have like mm-hmm. genetic testing on it just to see whether that would give any kind of information about why the miscarriage had happened. And because she was yeah. kind of this is all a part of a conversation that was going, and you know, you've had three miscarriages now, so you should really be referred to a clinic, specialist clinic for investigations. Um so that was, and she said basically surgery is gives doctors the best chance of um getting answers from that kind of testing you can um you know you you can take a sample in yourself to a hospital but I was just like no no that doesn't Mm -hmm. seem um but I don't think everybody gets that kind of information I don't even think everybody gets offered like the genetic testing which as it happened we didn't get any answers from that anyway um I don't think the I don't think the analysis was conclusive either either way but you know at least it felt like they'd looked like yeah they'd um yeah and then I did the same thing the fourth time the fourth time it was uh a, a like routine scan at the recurrent miscarriage clinic so that was all very like you know they 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 have their process I guess so it was um and it was the same thing again did you Um, get any results from that one yeah we did that time um we found out that there had been a a genetic reason so it was something called a triploidy um which is I hope I get this right um where so basically there's an extra set of chromosomes um so that's like the as far as you know that's the reason for the for the miscarriage like that pregnancy was never going to
0: continue um how did you feel with that news um so I
2: got the phone call when I was at work which was a bit like I hadn't thought about that I hadn't thought about the fact that like they'd just phone you three four weeks down the line or whenever Mm. it was and it was like a doctor I'd never spoken to to before in my life and he was very sweet but you know when you're a bit like oh you're a bit out of your depth here um there was at at first it was like oh there's an answer we've not had any answers at all until this point and then it was like there's kind of the thought that comes immediately after that is oh but actually that's not a very helpful answer like they can't do anything about that they're not going to change like um there's no treatment for that. There's nothing they can try differently next time. Um, so that was a kind of, yeah, that was a very strange like mixture of basically finding out that all those kind of annoying things they say to you, like, oh, it's just bad luck. Uh, it's mm-hmm. one of those things, like finding out that actually it really was it, like, so one of the reasons um, for a, I think he explained this to me on the phone, one of the reasons for a, a triploidy. Can be like two sperm fertilizing an egg at once, and something about being told that was like, "Oh God, it really is as random as that." I don't know what you do with that information. You just mm. feel a bit like, oh, "I don't know if you, yeah. you had sex on like a different day."
0: Yeah. Uh, Did um, you get any answers in the whole no, process? No. Did they ever yeah. try you on anything? Did you try the progesterone, the aspirin, that sort of thing?
2: uh no so for so we got referred to the clinic after my third miscarriage and they did all the tests and we stopped trying for about six months while that happened and everything came back normal um which they obviously frame to you as this is good news which you can kind of understand rationally you can understand that like no you don't want to be told that you have a medical problem like of course you don't but at the same time, you would quite like there to be a something that, can be that they can fix. Yes. Really, really. Yeah. Um, and actually, that was. I think like waiting for the test results, although we'd had three miscarriages, it was like, do you know what? I feel hopeful. And then it was like, no, um, actually, no. And then I didn't know. And they really and they were very strict. They were like, we don't think this will help there's no point trying you on aspirin, there's no point trying you on heparin or any of the blood thinning medication. Yeah. Um, and at the time, like uh, like progesterone wasn't even discussed. There'd just been a big trial that suggested it didn't make any difference. So yeah. like, I didn't know about it, it wasn't suggested. Um. And then, so the fourth pregnancy, we just, we went into it again like there was there was no no treatment no kind of answers really that's um, the worst
0: just trying again with no change to nothing else no medications nothing changed just giving it another go yeah that yeah really,
1: so- that's sorry that really is like you know that quote that you you so identify with Laura about running into the trenches blind that i mean that is it isn't it you're running into the trenches of, of war Mm. And you've got no, you're no different to how you were before. You've got no backing. You've got no army behind you. You've got nothing. You're just on your own. I've always found that having a bit of a plan, however minor, or even if,
0: if they say, well, if the next one goes wrong, we'll try this. Just having something to Mm. sort of hold on Mm. to. Yeah, Yeah,
2: exactly. But there was, and so then like when we got that result the fourth time round, and because I was kind of thinking like, I just I don't believe that this can just be random like it doesn't feel like it can just be random um so then when we got that fourth after that fourth miscarriage and we got the result saying it's this really random genetic error it was like oh I don't know it was it was a strange um
0: where do you go with that information what what do you do next
2: How
0: how do you try again Knowing that it's literally all you're being told is it's just bad luck,
2: yeah, which is what they were saying. And you know, on the one hand, they're like, Well, you know, it might, it, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, they, they, I guess their argument is that well, you keep trying long enough, like,
0: yeah, you'll, but how long can you keep trying for, yeah, exactly. Um takes a lot out of you doesn't it
2: and after that fourth miscarriage I think it was a year we took a year off from trying to conceive because it was just not having it's that not having anything to try differently that Mm -hmm. just makes you go you know I I I can't um psychologically I can't put myself through that um yeah how did you decide
0: that you were ready to try again
2: uh I don't know that I I don't know that I definitely knew. I think it was just that um, we'd kind of we'd sort of decided we needed a break and we mm. wanted to go away and we wanted to go. It's gonna sound really silly but I'm hoping you guys will understand. <laughs> we wanted to go on holiday somewhere um, but I think at the time was technically in like a zika own mm-hmm. um which obviously has like is a remote possibility but it has risks if you're pregnant and you're like yeah. advised not to travel if you're pregnant or about to be pregnant and um you just get into that mindset don't you where you're like well of course it's gonna happen to me like if you know you just can't um so we want anyway we want to go on on a holiday um and we knew that I didn't want to be pregnant or like possibly pregnant. It didn't want to have just had a miscarriage. We want to have a proper holiday and just not have to think about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was basically like after by the time we booked that and after we'd got back, we were like, okay, right, now we can. And that ended oh, okay. up being about a year.
0: And so your fifth pregnancy was successful. It was, yeah. Um, congratulations.
2: Thank you. Um yes, and that was the only pregnancy where I did anything the only thing I did differently was that we asked our clinic if I could take progesterone Mm -hmm. and because of the research that had been published like in between my previous pregnancy and that one um they agreed which was kind of um and I would kind of made my mind up that if they said no we were going to go and find it see if we could um see if we could get a prescription privately because i have been told, I think by somebody I'd got chatting to on Instagram, they'd said, look, you can, you know, this is what I did and uh, lots of private treatment for recurrent miscarriage is incredibly expensive. But this person had said that actually um, a private prescription for progesterone was not, you know, too bad. No. So I was already fairly like I have to, you know, we need something to try. Um, but as it happens, they were like, "Yeah, okay, no, we can see that um, there's a there's merit in trying this."
0: Yeah. Um, and how was your pregnancy?
2: Um, so, <laughs> in purely like clinical medical terms, it was fine. It was incredibly uneventful well apart from I had um a week after I started the progesterone I started bleeding Mm -hmm. um so obviously I thought I was having another miscarriage um so that was uh yeah I think that was like happened over the course of about two weeks and I did nothing about it I didn't go to the doctor I didn't tell the clinic I was just like well if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen that's terrible Mm -hmm. isn't it that you kind of get into that zone but um yeah but it was um probably the best guess is that that was actually a side effect of the progesterone,
0: yeah, which
2: no one had warned me about, which was like thanks for that, yeah, I don't think I've ever been as surprised anything in my life as when it was about nine weeks in and I've been bleeding for about a week and a half, and there was a heartbeat on that scan and I just yeah I yeah
1: I've never been as surprised with anything really um was there a point in your pregnancy that you did manage to sort of relax and enjoy it
2: I think I did feel more relaxed once we got beyond like 13 14 weeks once like I'd never you know I'd got to a point where I'd never got to before Mm. and actually but I, I think I really did think I would start to feel differently. Like, I think I thought I would, um, like once I was visibly pregnant, once I could feel them moving, I really did think I would feel completely different. And I never, like, I don't know if this, I don't want to sound like too downbeat for anybody who's listening and kind of hoping to get there. But to be completely honest, I think I just worried all the way through, um, didn't help that it was during the first part of the pandemic like that I you know I can't like put that aside like just as we got to 24 weeks like the lockdown lockdown started um but yeah I and then I I just think that's it's one for me and obviously like I'm not going to say it's the hardest thing about it all because ultimately I had a baby, I have my son, um, I got to experience pregnancy. So like not, that doesn't, that's not the case for everybody. So in that respect, you know, I'm very grateful for all of that, but it is a, it is a, I don't think there's anything anyone can do now to give that back to me. Like nobody can, I just, it, um i don't know whether we'll try again for a second child but i just i yeah it it's it's perhaps that's a, uh, perhaps that's a part that people don't still don't understand it's actually that pregnancy after loss process is so different it's so different to how i mean i can only speak about the first trimester from it personal experience but it's the two things are like could just completely your entire approach um and you kind of get remind i get reminded of it every now and again like when somebody i know well is pregnant and you just something or something really silly will happen and you'll think oh yeah you're that's how like quote unquote normal people <laughs> yeah. think yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and
1: i it's um it's a stri- it's shit, shit, it? like it's shit i have i have i've had both because i had children yeah, before i lost yeah. the baby, and then i've had a pregnancy since and they were completely different experiences and actually the way i am around my children who were born before i had experienced loss and my my, rain, my rainbow baby mm-hmm. even that is different the experience of having them as a baby has been really different like the my sort of maternal protection instinct around my daughter uh who was my rainbow baby is much much stronger than it ever was around my children my other ch- yeah. my older children and it really has it's mind-blowing how the experience of loss has affected and seeped into even my experience of being a parent. Yeah. It's it's a bizarre because I have that comparison in my life. I can it's a really stark contrast from me being a being being a mother to my other ones, to me being a mum to to my youngest. It's a it really does reach every area of your life, I think.
2: Yeah. Do you know that I mean obviously I wish that wasn't the case for you, but do you know that's made me feel a lot like better that's made me feel a little bit better in a way about my own feelings about parenting Like because yeah I, I do I feel like that a lot I feel like it's shaped how I am as a parent and certainly like maybe not so much now but certainly um, in the kind of newborn days mm-hmm. and I I think that's a very tricky thing to. I think it's a really difficult thing to talk about because on the one hand you feel incredibly lucky um you feel incredibly lucky and grateful and it's you know having a baby is something you know for me I really had reached a place where I thought you know this may not happen for me so I will never take that for granted but at the same time like those um that process and everything you've been through that doesn't kind of magically get erased so oh, no. and sometimes I feel guilty for that I'd like still mm. so the fact that yeah I'm sorry that you feel that way too but it does make me feel like
1: it's about well as we always say like this experience is not it's not just an event to be gotten over it's mm. it's an experience that shapes and 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 guides your life and it will always be mm. there and it will always have and influence on the way mm. you live your life and the person that you are. And I think in a lot of ways I've changed for the better. In the, mm. you take me in, in a good way. And I can reframe it and look at the positive side of it. But okay. there, there will always be that that bit of you that that um certainly in my experience, that bit of you that is just not quite there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know
2: I know what you mean. Yeah. The pregnancy thing for me, I think there's lots of stuff I can kind of reframe and but I I struggle with that one there's just there's not really for me a way of um getting back to that place where pregnancy is like uncomplicated and enjoyable and just kind of that it's like an equation isn't it that you, you kind of feeling that you know you're pregnant therefore you'll have a baby in 9 months like that that's just that it's <laughs> gone completely for me like that would just never
0: do you feel any um like envy towards people when they just get pregnant and have a baby <laughs> that's something that you've struggled with over the years
2: yeah it's is, it's is something i mean i certainly before i had my son um you guys talk about those kind of ugly feelings so brilliantly. Um, yeah, it's it's really difficult, and I, and I do. It's not now that I have my son. It's not there in the same way, you know.
0: Because oh, see, that's so, good. It still is. Yeah, for me. But it's not.
2: It's not there in the same way. Like there's so much of. Um, there's so much of that stuff that I was envious of because I ne- didn't know if I was going to get to do it. So you know, mm. um just sort of normal parenting things and like buying clothes for a baby and like having my parents meet their grandchild all that stuff um but there is there are definitely still things that um I do envy other people I um the one for me at the moment I'm not because we're not I'm not um I'm not trying to conceive I'm not kind of um not gone down that road again so for me that's kind of there's a bit of a pin in that sort of envying other people's pregnancies and sort of pregnancy announcements don't have quite the same sting that they used to but what I'm really envious of is people who don't worry on behalf of other people like that for me is is massive now Mm -hmm. I just um And that's not something you can tell other people about because that's a terrible thing to put on somebody who like it hasn't, you know, that something might go wrong has not entered their head. You don't want to kind of put that on them. Yeah. Um, But it is. Yeah, I I envy people who don't live with that, like secondhand anxiety.
0: Yeah, Um, I think. um, And how did your husband cope through all of this? um is it something that ever caused you any problems or did it just bring you closer together
2: so I think in the main we were a fairly united front but we have very different um like coping styles so Mm. like obviously I a big thing for me has been writing about it and like instagram and connecting with other people going through similar things um i've done a little bit of work with tommy's and sort of um awareness raising stuff um and dan is very happy for me to do that but he he, he finds that very difficult like he, and he has done some some things himself like he, um we did some interviews for a, a video campaign that tommy's did and he did take part in that but for him thinking and talking about it too much um, and kind of taking on other people's stories, I think he finds quite hard.
1: Yeah. Um, and think tell, he's alone us, in tell that. us about um, your writing, because obviously writing is, um, you started with your blog, didn't you? And you are you allowed to talk about your book?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I am. Yeah. It's been announced. It's been announced um, finally. So I, um The first thing I wrote was actually a newspaper piece um, after my first miscarriage. Um, And then when I had my second, I started a blog. And actually the blog I kept anonymous to start with, um, which now feels really strange to think that I felt that it had to be, that I couldn't put my, that I wasn't sure about putting my name to it. Like I don't, but I've really felt that that was, you know, I wasn't sure quite how much I wanted to reveal at that point.
0: But I think uh-huh. Jenny, hardly anyone was talking about it then, were yeah. they? Yeah,
2: it's and true.
0: I started a blog as well, and mine was anonymous to start with because we we talk often about how there's this sort of shame attached to yeah. miscarriage, and I think with recurrent miscarriage, when your body keeps, well, that's how I saw it. Your body just keeps failing you. Mm-hmm. It does feel a little bit sort of shameful and embarrassing and you don't until you start speaking to other people and I imagine when you put your blog out there you must have got some amazing feedback from people who were feeling the same thing and I think until you get that validation from other people that you're normal and that it's okay it's really scary to put yourself out there.
1: But it's also like you have to consider the fact that that there's someone else, like your other half, is involved mm. as well. I know yeah, first yeah writing, that's true. Oh, what happened? I said to Rob, "Do you mind if I?" I never posted an honest, anonymously, but I said, "Do you mind if I post mm. this?" Because obviously, it's your. So there's lots of different considerations, isn't it? So mm. I think posting anonymously is is I could totally understand why you would.
2: Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do. I do understand why people would. I I think that there are still lots of reasons. That's not like meant to. It just seems quite strange as a like mm. now I you know I've written so open with about my own it. name and like it's it's just not it's like second nature really and also I think because having spoken about it openly and written about it openly is that actually for me that made everything so much easier mm. that's that's the bit I kind of wish I'd realised that actually um, and I think because I'd done the two things like because I'd kind of compl- you know I'd written about it the newspaper's where I worked, um, so everybody I worked with knew the story and everybody like, you know, on my social media and my family and friends, so, um, knew. It basically means that people have a context, so like, yeah, before people knew about the miscarriage, there was this kind of, you know, I, we were still getting comments like, "Also, oh, when are you two going to have kids or like, you know, um, just those kind of things that people say, you know, um, um okay, like not everybody gets it and not you know, people aren't always completely sensitive a hundred percent of the time, but the difference from writing publicly about it from before was um was quite um stark really. Um so in that respect it was incredibly helpful.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we've we've found that writing and talking about it is like therapy, isn't it? Hmm.
2: Yeah, it can be. It can be. A few people have asked me that about my book though. They said like, oh, it must be really um <laughs> must be really cathartic. It must be really therapeutic. I'm like, therapeutic. <laughs> Horrible, it was oh. a horrible. Like, yeah, I don't know. I it was uh not a therapeutic process at all, writing um writing the book. Like, I was very glad that I did it and I felt very like um determined to write
0: it, but it was yeah, not <laughs> not, not fun. Is it but, finished um, now then? It's finished. Um, and when's
2: it it's out? Finished, it's out in February 2023 um yeah it's like and what's like, it called it's yeah. called um life almost miscarriage misconceptions and a search for answers from the brink of motherhood so it's um part memoir but it's also part science journalism looking at what like what this you know what we do and don't know about miscarriage and why it happens and how to prevent it and also looking a little bit at why we know so little about it Mm -hmm. and like why we don't talk about it like trying to kind of unpick how we've got this kind of completely it's like it's mad it's a mad place that we Mm -hmm. find ourselves in where this happens to so many people and yet Mm it's not talked about or it's talked about in very kind of specific limited
0: ways and hushed um, tones miscarriage did you hear she had a miscarriage
1: yeah um, <laughs> Yeah, we say that it, it is mad because if it was any other subject involving any other sort of area of of the body or or mm. y- it would be everywhere it'd be front. I remember saying why isn't this front page news because yeah. You know, so painful it's yeah. so traumatic yeah. it's so life-changing and it's so common I hate that word but you know it's so it happens so often happens so, to why, so many people happens yeah so many people so why why are we not like doing more <laughs> We that. don't even
2: bother recording how many people it happens to mm. like that is um yeah it's insane um can you think of any? Like, like I can't think of anything else that affects like one in four people or one in four couples, and that they don't bother recording how many actually happen each year.
0: Yeah, it's just like <laughs> no, it's shocking. Yeah. Um, but things are changing.
2: Things are changing. Things are changing, and I think um, it goes back to what you said that actually back then. Um, I know you guys hear this all the time, but you know. If your podcast had existed back then, I think it would have been a it would have been a very different experience for me.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, me too.
2: Because I don't think there was any anything really. And I'm always wary of saying that because actually sometimes you kind of say, oh, you know, why is no one talking about this? And then someone's like, I've been talking about this. I've been yeah. talking about this for ages. But it was um, so
0: diluted in pictures yeah. of people's breakfasts on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that it was hard yeah. to find
2: if it was there. And also it's that contrast, isn't it, when you think about how much is written about pregnancy um, and, and... And birth. And, and, and birth and, and motherhood. Pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and often in that very, um, like, idealised way, like trying to break through that, I think is really... It, it really takes a lot of effort and a lot of, you know... Um, it does.
1: Yeah, so... thing I think as well is about all all this all the all the stuff that gets written about pregnancy and birth and all those women like so many of them have experienced this beforehand so you know it's still a part of their lives it's not like once you have a a pregnancy and a birth and you and you have a a baby to take home it's not like it doesn't erase everything or if you've experienced this loss so there what we really want to do is 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 find a way that women can hold both experiences mm, about yeah. each other without having to feel or without being made to feel like one cancels out the other because yeah, it's, not definitely. A sigh of it's not a sigh of relief when you when you fall pregnant after you've had a baby it's no. it's, it's, it's it is wonderful because mm. it is you know a, a, the possibility of bringing home a baby but it opens up a whole different experience doesn't it mm. and it doesn't it doesn't it erased the experience of of losing a baby. It doesn't mean that baby didn't count. It, it's not like, oh, phew. Well, I can put that nasty experience to the back of my mind now. Yeah, it, we'd have to struggle to kind of and and for, for me certainly, it was really far on into my pregnancy where I actually allowed myself to believe. And In you, it, when you were pregnant with Bertie, you didn't you didn't you never <laughs> believed it, did you?
0: No, I was walking to my emergency cesarean. Not <laughs> fully expected them to
1: pull out a dead baby. I'm so shocked and that is something that I think is so misunderstood because I believe that yeah. so the majority of people think when someone announces a pregnancy after a loss think oh thank goodness for that they'll be fine now
2: yeah. obviously yeah,
1: they're of that but it's not that's not your overriding feeling when you when when it's you no it's
2: not I remember I basically only ended up reading about I only read about um like labor advice and like I think I did eventually read a book that was about kind of giving birth and but I only kind of got to the place where I could read that in my pregnancy when I was basically like well do you know what whatever happens like living baby or not I'm gonna have to give birth and like but that's I mean that's sorry that's a terrible thing to say isn't it? it sounds awful when you say it out loud but that's kind of how your brain
1: works a little I bit. I totally get that. I totally get that. You can, um, it's like you allow yourself, you allow yourself to read that because it's going to happen no matter what. So you're not, yeah. you're not jinxing yourself because it will yeah. still be valuable information to you. Yeah, yeah, than.
2: exactly. And it's that, that um, fear of jinxing it is so strong. And I I kind of almost, the further away we get from, um, from having Edward the more I realise how um, little we'd let ourselves kind of prepare for having having a baby, um, and like not just in terms of like not buying stuff or you know like we didn't he didn't have a cot until he was <laughs> we don't think we put a cot up until he was about five months old <laughs> um, because we just yeah I don't know you just can't I could or I couldn't anyway like I know for some people doing some of that preparation can be a way of
0: yeah connecting
2: yeah of connecting and mm. feeling inside. like there's obviously there's no you know everybody is slightly different but we really yeah we just couldn't really go there and actually had done so little and thought so little about what those first weeks and months of having a baby would be like it's difficult I don't know and like you say people don't necessarily put that together
0: mm. I remember going to a breastfeeding workshop and um we were talking about oh she asked us to introduce ourselves and what how we plan to feed or whatever and I remember saying if the baby and she said no no darling when the baby and I was like oh no no it's not guaranteed if the baby yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Um for a really long time we wouldn't say um we didn't really even say like when we didn't say when the baby is born. We we'd always be like after July, which was this due right. date was in July. We were always like after July, we might need to, you know, it was like oh I don't know, your mind does some very strange things to try and yeah. kind of make you feel safe, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um I had a proper meltdown when Scoop brought home some some bits. So we'd been trying for like seven, eight years by the time Bertie was born. Mm-hmm. And um, everyone had kept stuff for us. And it was just coming up to Christmas and people were sort of having clear outs and finding their Christmas trees and things like that. And he came home with all of this, this a van full of stuff that people had saved for us, like nursery curtains and yeah. um Clothes, all sorts, and he came home like proud as punch. Like this is all the stuff for our baby. Put it on the dining table, and I just, I, I didn't realize why I was so upset. But I just sobbed and I was like, "Get it out! I don't want it here." No, no. And I, I didn't really, didn't really understand why I was like that. But um, I fully get it now. I just did not want. I thought I was going to have to throw it away.
2: It's, it's that again. thought, isn't it? Like that was really strong for me. The thought of like, and literally everything we discussed like can we get it like if we get this can your parents keep it for us because they wanted to buy us the pram and things like that everything was a a negotiation of like can we handle this like where do we Mm. put this like it's
1: it's a really difficult thing of like because I remember coming back from the hospital and seeing my like pregnancy vitamins by the kettle after I'd found out that our baby had died and I was so angry and it's a really weird thing of Everything in your world is so familiar, like materialistically. You come in and your coat is just over the chair where you left it when everything was fine. And your washing basket is still full of dirty laundry that was there. You took your clothes off when everything was fine and you put in the dirty laundry. And your bed, you didn't make it in the morning. And when you got out of it that morning, everything was fine. And now everything is different. And it's a real like before and after. It was Mm for me anyway. And that really is a similar sort of thing, isn't it? You just because you've had such a horrendous and traumatic experience you don't want anything there that's going to remind you yeah how shit things are yeah 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 I think that's
2: a really good way of thinking about it I had that same thing with the laundry basket after my, I remember really distinctly coming home from the hospital and um going to take my leggings and everything off um And like opening laundry basket and my gym kit from the day before was still there. And I was like, oh, not even washed, like that's not even been washed yet. And yet everything's different now. Mm. Like, how has there been enough? It's not how has my
0: life changed? changed Yeah, so quickly in
1: such a short (laughs) space of time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so lovely to kind of chat to you and and see you, and you know, put a, oh,
2: a no, face the nice name you, and all nice that. You. Um, yeah, thank you for having me and letting me uh, ramble away.
0: We'll <laughs> um, share all the details of your book in the show notes. Thank yeah, you fill up with it all. Thank
2: you, it's um, I honestly like the fact that there's your book now. Um, that I, I really, I, I know there's still such a long way to go, but it, it really just feel like stuff is changing the fact that there's like yeah it does more than one book on a subject. Mm. Um I mean that shouldn't be that feels like a very low bar, doesn't it? When you think (laughs) how many like when you think how many pregnancy and baby books there are like but
0: hey it's a start it's better than it was in 2016. Oh Mm. well I
2: first like started this is a bit of a side note sorry I first started trying to see if anyone would publish a book in 2018 maybe and it went nowhere mm-hmm. um and kind of the responses from publishers were things like oh we've already got a book on our list from a midwife
0: oh so right because that's the same that's
2: the same thing <laughs> like and I bet I mean I, I don't know I don't know who whose book that was I'm sure but you know I bet there wasn't like was there anything about miscarriage in it like mm. oh I don't know and I think I don't think that would happen now. I think slowly but surely that that's kind of been chipped away at a little bit. And that is, you know, you've got to hang on to that, haven't you, really?
0: Yeah. 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 Oh, lovely to meet you, Jenny. Okay. Yeah,
2: lovely to meet you.
1: Yeah, have a lovely weekend.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, Friday, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, have a lovely weekend.
1: All right. Take care. Take All care. the best okay bye bye thank you so much everyone for tuning in and please please when you have a second rate us review us and share us and let's get this taboo smashed see you next week